1: We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely and always warm Austin, Texas. Julie, my love, welcome to today's radio show.
0: Thank you so much. I think it's going to be a very interesting and fun and insightful show. You and I have been both studying uh, our topic together. And a lot of ah ahas between the both of us, and huh, isn't that interesting? So, we're going to share that with our listeners, and also, as always, see what we can do to give them some practical application as a result of what they learned today. So, back to you.
1: And the topic is 16 amazing facts about agent millionaires. 16, well, let me tell you guys, it's 16 facts about millionaires in general. I threw agent millionaires on there, obviously, because our audience is mostly agents. But the reality of it is, is, this is going to be a really, when I was putting together this list of 16 points, guys, I was honestly surprised by probably mostly point number seven. Point number four was an eye opener, and um, I'll tell you one that really blew me away is point number fourteen. So make sure you guys are paying attention today, because here's what I took away when I was list- when I was going through this and I was studying this, preparing for our show today, is uh, a lot of us are 100% wrong <laughs> about. Uh, a, being millionaires, what it takes to become a millionaire, what it means to become a millionaire, and all that word in general and the sort of social status that comes with the being a millionaire. So, guys, listen, and we're going to share with you some very statistical facts. And, uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of them are going to be eye-opening facts. But before we get to it, um, I found an article online. It's not directly related to our topic, but I think it's pretty, it was pretty interesting that all of you guys should uh, pay attention to. And Jules is going to read that. It's not very long, but just focus.
0: Yes, so the title is A Psychologist Says That This is the Formula for Success. And I'll go on to read this uh, quickly. It says, if you're like most people, you weren't a child prodigy and you don't consider yourself naturally gifted. You may even think that that means you can't achieve amazing things. As it turns out, talent by itself is only part of the reason people achieve success, according to psychologist and MacArthur genius fellow Angela Duckworth. Duckworth assembled the equation of success based on years of teaching, coaching, and research. She wrote about it in her book called Grit, the Power of Passion and Perseverance. And here it is. Talent times effort equals skill and skill times effort equals achievement i think that's something worthy of writing down talent times effort equals skill and skill times effort equals achievement So what does it mean? Skill, or how good you are at something, isn't just something that you're born with. Skill is the product of talent or potential in something multiplied by how much effort you put into it. Achievement or success is taking that skill and putting even more effort into it. Without effort, your talent is nothing more than your unmet potential, Duckworth writes in in her book. When it comes to achieving something, Effort is twice as important as any natural gift or talent. Here's what happens if you shift the equation around and apply the uh, cumulative property Talent times effort times effort equals achievement. In other words, she's adding additional effort once you've started to achieve. Without that effort, your skill is nothing more than what you could have done but didn't, Duckworth writes. So I think that's very interesting, and we have certainly seen that over the years of coaching with our clients that, you know, a lot of people have been picked on, well, you know, you don't have as much natural sales talent as this other guy. Well, guess what? The person with less talent but more effort will eventually pull ahead of the person with talent who hasn't made the effort. I think that's very interesting. We've seen that phenomenon so many times in coaching. I've certainly seen it and lived it with my other life, you know, my music stuff, where, you know, if you practice, yeah, it actually does make a difference. Effort actually does bring you results. And then once you have that achievement-added effort on top of that, it makes a huge difference. Well, real estate is full of that. It's so funny when we hear from uh, grizzled veterans, and, and they just really thought that they had that listing, and then some agent they've never heard of before, Gets that listing away from them. Probably it's because of effort and because they were just a bit more prepared because they had studied it. And, in fact, many agents will do better because they, don't, because they know they don't have that, you know, supposed God-given talent. They'll actually study things and be more detailed and be more of service than the agent who has been winging it off of their, you know, semi-natural talent. Does that make sense, Tom? I know you. It
1: does. You know, I was actually, I was actually thinking about coaching clients. You know, and you know, that's the reason I thought this article was really salient and you know the worst article I'm sorry the worst types of agents that are, that you know we talked to that want to be coaching clients and I mean this quite literally are the ones that have had some success just basically off maybe some you know they have some natural talent but then they think that that alone is going to get them into the end zone continuously mm-hmm. in other words they've been successful maybe they're the best agent in their office maybe they have plaques and awards and whatever whatever but they have no organization they have no skills they have no presentations they have no prequal nothing they're just essentially Riding off the strength of their personality and the fact that they're likable and all those other things that come with that type of personality and then they don't realize that they need skills they are the toughest people to coach because they Definitely. are blockheads they will not listen now they become the best people to coach after they've been knocked on their butts a few times and they realize that you know their talent if you want to call it that by itself isn't going to get them where they want to go in life and now they have to start adding skill but skill by itself is useless unless you add lots and lots of effort and i was then i was thinking who are the best types of clients who are the ones that actually are generally speaking experienced success the fastest when uh in a coaching program and i'll tell you who those are they're the guys that basically are like same profile as Julie to be honest with you. They're people that realize the importance of practice. They're people that essentially appreciate the fact that you're giving them the path to follow and then they will when they follow the path and they they'll do what you ask them to do. They don't they're not going to fall back on their natural talent. They're going to basically work harder, study faster, you know, implement you know, some people on coaching calls, you'll give them something that's going to immediately make them money and help them make their business more efficient, and they'll take months to implement it, a pre-listing pack for example, whereas somebody that's like what I'm describing now, they're going to get it done in two weeks, it's going to be done and they're going to take a listing in three, those are the guys that almost always are the ones that become the most successful consistently and by the way, the ones that are least likely to be lulled into the, you know, sort of miraculous world of ego that real estate is all about. So true. They're the they're the ones that are going to stay focused, make money consistently. That's the agent that you guys want to admire. Don't admire these big ego types because ultimately they're not going to show you how to actually build wealth and how to have an actual business that is worth having. So, the topic today, guys, is facts about Uh, millionaires and agent millionaires you know we're gonna we sprinkled in a lot of specifics from our many clients who are agent millionaires to make this even more interesting but remember if you guys have not yet done so scroll to the bottom of your mobile device your phone your you know some of you guys are on Tesla's whatever and you're gonna see a form and you're gonna see a place where you put your name your email and your phone number complete that and then when you do someone from our team is gonna call you back they're gonna answer questions about essentials you're going to enroll in essentials you're only going to have to pay assuming you use the student approval program, which most of you will do, only $99 a month. That is a real live coaching program with Julie as your coach. She does four semi-private coaching calls with you per month. It's a group call. It's a semi-private call. You do have opportunities to ask questions at the end. And in addition to that, you're going to be given a private coaching call with your own coach um, once per month, and you schedule that coaching call around your schedule. It's not their schedule. You go in, it's called coaching on demand, and everything else that comes with Essentials, all the you know the training and the manuals and all the stuff that basically you guys need to build successful businesses is all included in Real Estate Coaching Essentials. And Remember, this program is designed to work at all price ranges and all market conditions. Just go ahead and fill out that form. All right, Julie, I'm really excited to get to the first point. <laughs> and remember, guys, well, this is a fun topic, right? 16 amazing facts about agent millionaires. Go ahead, Jules.
0: Okay, point number one, and this is just a nice uh, number fact. In the last 12 months, 500,000 Americans became millionaires. Isn't that interesting? How many times have you guys heard in the news that, oh, you know, things are just going down the drain and nobody's making money anymore? Well, guess what? A half a million Americans became millionaires in the past 12 months alone. Point number two, 86% are self-made And I know, growing up, I always thought, well, you know, that person has money because they must have inherited it, right? Where where'd they get that from? 86 percent. That's practically every one of them, almost, are self-made. Number three, point number three, 86 percent are married. Go ahead. Don't blaze
1: through! Don't blaze through so fast. I mean, there's 16 points, but I mean, some of these are worth hovering around a little bit. That last sure. one's kind of interesting because you did say something fascinating. Now, I didn't put it in, the, in these notes, but guys, uh, here's another little myth. You have to be. You now, you read different things. You'll read. You know, you'll 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 come across different statistics on this. But the other myth is, is that you have to be 100% self-employed to become a millionaire. And I read that basically of all the millionaires, uh, only something like 25% of them are self-employed. But you've got to kind of, again, take that with a grain of salt because maybe they work for a corporation where they're the only shareholder, things of that nature. But to those of you who are basically have a job and you're doing real estate on the side, I would say as long as you take an organized approach to the real estate on the side thing, that's probably a good recipe for long-term success and wealth accumulation. Uh, You know, I know you, Julie, and I are absolutely positively uh, shouted at because we suggest that agents are, you know, becoming a part-time agent, getting in the business is a viable career path, and the full-time agents and the institutions out there don't seem to like that message, but it's still true. If you guys have got a good, stable job that gives you good, stable incomes, provides support for you, health insurance for you, and you could do real estate on the side, we have Dozens of clients that are extremely successful doing it just that way. So be clear about that little statistic, little added information. And point number three is Julie just said, 86% are married. Um, that's not a statistic I find particularly surprising. Uh, When I was researching that, it also said that in most cases, the woman of the marriage, assuming it's, you know, heterosexual marriage, are the ones – she's the one that's, generally speaking, doing most of the finance management. Um, So women, generally speaking, are better managers of money than men. There's an interesting fact for you. Point number four, and we're getting to the juicy stuff here, then point number five you guys are going to like. Point number four. Statistically, of all the you know total population three billion or whatever Americans, one in sixteen are millionaires. Now we're just dealing with millionaires in the like single millionaire, so they have a net worth of a million dollars. This isn't a net worth of this isn't a million investable assets and, or anything like that. It's the accumulation of the equity in their house and maybe their retirement accounts and things of that nature, right? So one in sixteen households in America are millionaires. Point number five, Julie.
0: Point number five is today's millionaires in the United States are made up of 17% are managers, 12% are educators, I thought that was interesting, 7% are corporate executives, Uh, 6% are entrepreneurs or business owners, and and 6% are attorneys or accountants. So the $5 million plus group is made of corporate executives, that's 17%, and entrepreneurs or owners, 12%. So I thought that was very interesting because a lot, I think a lot of people think it's like one bucket and they're just all entrepreneurs. They must all be CEOs of big companies or what have you. 12% are in education. 17% are managers. So I thought that was actually a very interesting split out of that. Point number six is that 70% work, yes, must underline that in the first place, work, yes, they're not entirely retired, 70% work, 40-plus hours of work per week. They're still working. Yeah, they're at least a one-millionaire, if not multi-millionaire. They're still working, 70% of them more than 40 hours a week. I thought that was fascinating, right? I get the
1: next next point. You don't get the next. This one's fun. All right, so favorite, (laughs) (laughs) favorite millionaire stores, favorite places millionaires like to shop. Ready? Number one: Costco. Yay, <laughs> number two.
0: Costco.
1: <laughs> number two: Lowe's, or Home Depot. Number three, Target. Here's a really <laughs> fun fact. you guys ready for this? I know. Target, right? Number Here's an interesting fact: Only 18, eight, I'm sorry, eight percent ever shop at Neiman Marcus. So when you guys walk through Neiman Marcus and you see all those people buying the really, 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 really expensive stuff, you've got to remember, they are the probability is they, are not millionaires. Isn't that interesting? So these are people basically that are buying stuff for the most part to make themselves feel a certain way, stuff that they most certainly don't need. I don't think there's a single thing that's sold in even Marcus that you need. It's all want stuff. And so people buy all this high-end uh, fashion stuff because they're trying to feel a certain way. They're told that they're going to have this emo- emotion of feeling younger, feeling thinner, feeling this, feeling that if they buy this kind of purse or perfume, right? That's all ego. They're being manipulated. And what happens is, is uh, wealth accumulators realize that. They know that. They know there's all kinds of very, 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 very clever people who are out there just trying to get your money, and you've got to protect that. You've got to protect that money like it's your baby. And one of the best ways to do it, don't go to Demon Marcus. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> one, right? <laughs> right next point julie
0: okay point number eight their preferred car uh brand for millionaires is ford uh, i thought that was interesting and patriotic all at the same time preferred car brand is ford not what next. many of us think right so it, point number nine. Fifteen percent go ahead tim sorry
1: it, it was ford and then number two was uh cadillac and number three was lincoln So that was just kind of interesting. But the number one – yeah, the number one, oh yeah, exactly, not import cars. So that's something that you guys need to be putting into consideration as you're out there and you're thinking about what car to drive or you're thinking about basically the impression you're going to leave or you're thinking about basically do you need to be driving some big fancy whatever knowing that most millionaires – who basically, when they buy a new car, Ford is the number one brand that they buy. Isn't that fascinating? Do you guys think of a real status uh, product that Ford sells? I can't. So, point number nine, this was interesting too, is uh, 15% have no college, 12% attended and dropped out, and 31% have a degree. Now, here's what's funny when I was researching that um, when you go to sites. That are uh, university sites. If you like, we're researching like average income for a college graduate. Whatever, you guys will find that the colleges themselves put out their own research that's saying essentially, like getting a college degree, no matter what the heck's it in is some sort of had a, some sort of Willy Wonka golden ticket. Isn't that fascinating? Because colleges, like real estate, like pretty much everything in our country, has essentially become more focused on essentially money. It's become more focused on taking the money. That's what their drive is. If you now guys they will tell you that you'll earn more money when you go to college. Okay, so if they're gonna be selling college educations that you can make more money when you're going to college, then don't you think they should be doing a better job of advising young people not to get degrees and things that will result in result in them never getting jobs? Don't you think they have a responsibility to help people get their heads screwed on straight? about the nature of life and how you have to go out there and actually work and how you're actually going to have to earn money and maybe your pottery degree isn't going to quite get you there. I mean, guys, come on, put all these pieces together. So, But the real takeaway is essentially was 30% do not have college degrees. Fascinating, isn't it? All right, now the next point, I really like this one too. Um, 31%, point number 10, 31% come from poor households, and we'll say poor households are uh, poverty, Forty-five percent come from the middle class. So you're dealing with essentially almost 80 percent of all millionaires. Remember we told you at the top that uh, 86 percent of all millionaires are self-made. Now you're seeing essentially a similar number that most of them come from poor or middle-class upbringings. Isn't that interesting? And I'll tell you something. Yes, go ahead, Jules.
0: Well, here's the thing. This this podcast could also be nicknamed – the excuse elimination plan, (laughs) because just in your past two points, 15% have no college, 12% attended and dropped out, okay, and only 31% actually have a degree. So if you're somebody that's saying, well, I would make more money, but I don't have a college degree, well, we just took that away from you based on the actual facts. The next point you just shared was 31% came from poor households, 45% from middle-class households. So if you're holding on to the belief that you'll never have money because you didn't come up with money, well... That excuse is gone now, too. So I just had to have a little coaching moment in there for you.
1: Let me read. I'll do point number 11. And, guys, along the lines of what Jules just said, for those of you guys who are using some financial hardships you've experienced in your lives as your excuse, as your reason not to try hard, as your reason not to develop skills, as your reason for not basically moving forward. Oh, my gosh, I had this thing happen in the past, and that's my reason for basically just giving up on life in one form or another. Here it is. Ready? Point number 10. Oh, I'm sorry. Point number 11. The average millionaire. Now, I found this stunningly interesting. The average millionaire goes bankrupt at least three and a half times. And now, I didn't believe it when I found that statistic, and so I researched it, and I found that information on several different studies. The average millionaire, now, is it personal bankruptcy? Is it corporate bankruptcy? I couldn't find any information on that. But that in itself shows you... That basically, at the end of the day, it's normal to get knocked on your butt, but if you know, you can get up and you can still move the ball down the field. You don't have to quit just if you've experienced some failure. Very fascinating. Okay, now the next point, Julie, I know you're going to – I think I told you this one, but point number 12. Go ahead, Julie.
0: So how long does it actually take to become a millionaire? On average, about 32 years. 38 years for 52 percent of the millionaires, and only 4 percent became millionaires in less than 27 years. So I guess there's no get-rich-quick plan exactly. <laughs> so I guess it depends on how long you live, but on average, 32 years. And 52 percent was 38 years, so it takes quite some time. And and only 4%, that's practically nobody, became millionaires in less than 27 years. Now, maybe that's because of the previous point that failure is normal along the road for millionaires. On average, bankruptcy three and a half times, you know, between here and becoming a millionaire.
1: That 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 doesn't preclude it. Yeah, it actually
0: does. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it does me too. It really surprises me. But you know what? It shouldn't because after the last financial downturn, there were a lot of people that had to do, you know, the the whole, like when you and I are, I feel like when I talk like this, you and I are like a million years old and we're only in our 40s. <laughs> back but in you know, our day. The, the whole, back in our day, right. The whole stigma of a lot of, well, at least a lot of the things that were stigmatized when we were growing up, they really aren't anymore. And, you know, I guess maybe that's kind of, I think, socially good, socially bad, I'm not really sure, but we're just sharing with you guys the facts. Julie, point number 13, I'll read this one. I thought this was, this was probably... Let me make sure I'm going to – yep, this is probably my favorite point. Point number 13, at what age did the average millionaire achieve a million in assets? Okay, ready for this, guys? I'm asking you the question. Listeners, at what age did the average millionaire achieve a million in assets? I bet you every single one of you are guessing an age that's way too young. Here it is. Ready? 1% before the age 40. 3% between 40 and 45. 15% between 46 and 50, 28% between 51 and 55, 31% between 55 and 60. Isn't that fascinating? But yet socially, culturally, we are believing that if for some reason you happen to become a millionaire by the time you're 45, you just ought to throw in the towel. The ship has sailed. The ship has sailed. Isn't that really what people believe? Isn't that fascinating? And yet most people don't accumulate $1 million in assets until they're basically 55 to 60 because they didn't quit, because they didn't stop trying, because they kept investing, because they kept studying, because they kept making themselves better, because they improved their skill set. Guys, how many of you have stopped trying because you think it's too late for you? That's scary. That's sad. But we just gave you the facts. 1%. Only 1% do it between the age 40. 1%. And yet, culturally, we're led to believe that's the magic number. And if you haven't done it, well, you just might as well take yourself out in the field. That's it. You're done. I don't know where the southern accent's coming from, but there you go. 1%, between, 1% before age 40, 3% between 40 and 45, 15% between 46 and 50, 28% between 51 and 55, 31% between 56 and 60. Julie, point number 14.
0: Yeah, so point number 14, that means that 21% became millionaires after the age of 60. That means that 80% don't become millionaires until after age 50. So if you've given up, as you said, Tim, thinking that ship has sailed, and you're anywhere, you know, even remotely younger than that, keep trying. I mean, look how long it takes. It's still a lot of money. It takes, what was the article we were just reading? It takes effort, not just God-given talent or a lack of talent that determines your trajectory in this world. You've got to keep on doing that effort. You know, we always remind people effort doesn't always equal results immediately. It's the accumulation effect of effort after effort after effort. Again, that's why they call it work, not vacation.
1: The work part is the effort. Effort with no skills, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: No, you've got to add to your skills. Skills makes your effort more meaningful, and it makes your effort happen faster, right? Your results come quicker when it's skilled effort. So, and that's normal, right? That's absolutely normal that you would need that and not just be relying on whatever you came out of the hatch with, right? So next point is, point number 15, 20% of millionaires are retired. The rest, which is 80%, are still working. And the previous point said not only are they working, but they're doing a normal work week, 40 plus hours. So maybe the nature of their work has changed over the years as they became millionaires and multimillionaires. But they didn't just flat out retire. It doesn't say 80% are on the golf course right now. 80% are doing nothing. Doesn't say that. It says only 20% of them are retired. And remember, with the age as this goes up, that makes sense, right? Because there's more people at the higher age levels, you know, that you could have 20% that are retired. But 80% are still working. I love the
1: the next point. Point number 16, guys. Well, this is but this is true, and I think
0: uh, very interesting.
1: Well, when we've had superstars on that were not – that were first-generation Americans and they're really successful in real estate, um, one of the biggest reasons that they have succeeded so fast is because they intuitively knew that – well, they didn't take success uh, for granted. They didn't have an entitled sense that a lot of us Americans seem to have. Um, We have this entitled uh, sense of security. We are entitled to security. We're entitled to some kind of minimum living standard. We're entitled to food on the shelves in the grocery stores. We're entitled for financing when we want to get a loan. We're entitled. We're entitled. we ask for it. That's right. And you know what? For a long time, it's been like that. Do you think it's going to be like that forever? I don't. And neither do first-generation Americans. So here's some interesting statistics to you. Point number 16, our last point. Those with Russian ancestry have the highest concentration of millionaire households in America. The Scottish rank and Hungarians rank third. English ancestry uh, groups rank fourth. The Russian-American millionaire group has approximately 1.1 1. 1 trillion, <laughs> or nearly 5% of all their personal wealth in America. Think about that, guys. Research indicates that the longer the average members in of an ancestry group have been in America, the less likely they are to become millionaires because they accumulate a high-consumption lifestyle. Sound familiar? On the other hand, first-generation genera- first Americans tend to be self-employed, which is a significant positive correlation to wealth. Guys, isn't that fascinating? Didn't you learn something from those 16 points I did when I was researching this?
0: Very interesting. You know,
1: it is interesting, and, but here's, the, here's my takeaway. Again, what we try to do on this radio show is we cut through the Mickey Mouse. We cut through the bullshit. We cut through the mythical, you know, romantic beliefs about what it takes to be successful, and we put you guys right in alignment with the truth. You can do it. You can basically accumulate wealth. You can create. You know, finally get to a place where you have financial health. Now, here's the irony of it. Some of you, New York, some parts of L.A., million didn't jack. I know that. So maybe it's your the last
0: your living wage.
1: Maybe the last extra point we gave you about your high consumptive lifestyle, and if you're truly ready to have financial health, if you're truly ready to get to the point where. You can basically have a life that's not all about consumption in the sense you have to be working constantly. Maybe you ought to do a little introspection. Have a family meeting. Talk about. I mean, we've had coaching clients, guys, for real, who've had personal burn rates. In other words, their family spends hundred, hundred twenty five thousand a month. Private schools, private summer camps. You know, trainers, food. people working in their houses. They're, they lived in a. You know, they may live in areas of the country that have you really high property tax and really high state income taxes. And, you know, here's the thing that's beautiful about the skills that we teach as part of the coaching program. They're portable. You guys can go anywhere in the country. You can move to the great state of Texas where there's no state income tax or Nevada where there's no state income tax, or Florida where there's no state income tax. You can choose where you want to live when you have the skill set, and you won't be tied to an area because what you put in your head will eventually basically make its way to your wallet because you have the ability to apply those skill sets anywhere you choose to go. Um, We've had coaching clients who have basically moved down to the Caribbean and sold real estate. That is wonderful. That was their dream. They did it. Guys, here's the bottom line. In this marketplace, you've got to be getting your skills on. You know it. You're feeling it. Chances are the business is becoming a little bit harder. That's because your skill set is slipping. You guys got to get that polished up. Complete that form. Someone from our office will call you back. Uh, anytime we can ever be of any assistance to you guys in any way, please feel free to email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, or, of course, Ms. Julie at uh, TimAndJulieHarris.com, Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow.